Hey everyone, this is at New York iDoc, aka Dr. Raymondi, aka Dr. Damaris. And after a short break, I am now ready and I'm coming to you with a new guest. He is the current vice president in the Optometric Society of the City of New York. He's been featured in New Grad Optometry, newgradoptometry.com. And he's spoken on a panel at the SUNY Optometry Career Symposium on what it's like being a new OD because he's from the class of 2013 from SUNY. And he's currently a doctor and owner at Perspective Family Eye Care, established in 2015, located in Brooklyn. Please give a warm welcome to Dr. Benjamin Arthur. Yay! Thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. for joining us so we can all find you on instagram at brooklyn eye doc before you were doctor and owner of your own practice uh we'd like to know how did how did all this start did you have any inclinations in your childhood towards becoming a doctor or be being in healthcare? like what were your what was your path like um it's a bit of a a, a long sort of <laughs> roundabout uh, journey, but I like to kind of sort of think of it this way. When I was younger, when I was a young uh, kid, I wanted to be many things. And the beauty of of growing up with uh, the mother that I had and, and, and my grandmother was the fact that, especially my mother, she just felt like I could be anything I wanted which was a blessing <laughs> in a way and, and also sort of a, ch- a challenge because and the last, uh, a while back, I was thinking about it and I was like, I wish she, she kind of gave me some inclination about what would have made her happy, you know, if, if I, uh, what, uh, what career choice, if I had made those career choices would have made her the most happy. But, um, so when I was younger, um, I wanted to be many, many things. Uh, I mean, I, I used to change my mind like, uh, ever so often, but I always did have sort of a knack for caring for people and, my upbringing was more for sort of a sacrificial perspective. So I loved caring for people. But my first introduction to eye care or optometry was when I was about, I was about, say, 12 or 13. I got my very first eye exam. Uh, I grew up in a country called Ghana. What struck me about the field of optometry or the optometrists was the fact that the ones, the, the optometrists that uh, did my eye exam were very young. So I just kind of was drawn to that. Uh, but I never really engaged it really as an uh, as an as a career goal or career path um, until uh, when I was in when I was about to graduate college. Uh, I had a a classmate who I took a biology class with, and uh, he was studying to take the OATs, and he had a you know the a study guide, and I asked him what that was, and. He was like, oh, that's the OATs, and it's a, it's a test you take if you wanted to become an optometrist. So um, I was like, oh, I've thought about that once before, but I never knew what the path was or anything. Um, so he was like, yeah, my dad is an optometrist, and he wants me to become an optometrist too, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, but at the time, I still didn't engage it significantly because, you know, it was I was I was a fourth-year student. I was, you know, I wanted to... I was more focused about graduating or focused on graduating, I should say. Uh, just kind of like focused on doing my, my, my courses for graduating. And then I did graduate, thankfully. Uh, but this was at the time when the, the economy was kind of like horrible and there were no real jobs. 
uh, I graduated uh, as a biochemistry major and didn't want to really kind of go straight to a graduate degree program. Uh, wanted to see if I could could work a little bit first because the whole um, college had also kind of burned me out a bit. So uh, I found a job very unrelated to what I, I studied, um, but it was just kind of like well, to give me enough time to kind of think through what I wanted to do, what my next steps were. Uh, so I was working out in Long Island, and uh, six months in, uh, I got laid off because the economy was just that, just that bad. And so when that happened, uh, I was out of a job for a little while and finally uh, found another job doing clinical research. And uh, clinical research really what that sort of turned on the the light switch for me because I was involved in some um, research projects that required me to have direct patient interactions. Uh, I had to kind of collect data for on patients and 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 some of that required me to kind of have uh, build a relationship in a lot of ways with the patients and I just realized how much joy that gave me. You know, it just it felt great. It felt right. It felt comfortable. I, I, I loved my patients, the patients that I work with. I love the social interactions that I got to have with them, you know, and, and the fact that I was doing something to help them just, just brought me so much joy. So at that point, I started kind of going through my mind and realizing that that was sort of what made me the most happy, like patient care made me the most happy. I started going through my mind and, and, and thinking what my options were and ah, optometry. And then I remembered, you know, all those experiences that I had had, had, had with, with the field and, and perhaps kind of like got, you know, the sense that, you know, I was being sort of good in that direction. I also considered dentistry, but um, who would want to look in the mouth of people all day long? No. <laughs> <laughs> we, anyway, so then... Um, I uh, I shadowed a couple of uh, of doctors, and then there were a few prerequisites. I had a science background, so there was just I was missing a few prerequisites, and took those courses while I was still working. And then I applied to optometry school, and you know that was that's really more or less the path <laughs> in 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 a nutshell. That's real life, right? Looking back, it's kind of like it's not exactly from point A to point Correct. B. There's so yeah, much that goes in between, in between. Right. yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. And a lot of the time people think that, you know, and that's just the human mind, really, how we, we, we tend to think that things need to go. And there's probably, you've probably seen this, right, where somebody draws a connection about how we expect uh, the, the road to whatever it is that we hope to accomplish is yeah, and, like and the- what the reality of it ends up being. And so it's never it's never as straight of a path as we imagine it to be. Right. It only looks that way from going, looking back. Yeah. But then, yeah, there's so much yes. that goes into it. So much in between. Thank you for yeah, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, about uh, your uh, mother and parenting and all that. I think that actually served you better because it allowed you to feel all this empathy, mm-hmm. and, you know, and allowed you to search and find what you were truly passionate Correct. about without like limiting you. Yeah. Did you face any challenges in optometry school? What was that like? Because a lot of our audience does tend to be younger and they're like considering different different healthcare choices or they're in optometry school right now and they might find themselves struggling. But what what was your experience like? Um, optometry school. Um, I mean, the schooling itself is very challenging. SUNY is a very sort of, has a very rigorous 
um, called uh, curriculum. So it's it's very very focused on um, you know churning out excellent doctors and people knowing exactly being great doctors. That's just the bottom line. I also had a, a very competitive class. Class was quite competitive, so you just didn't want to be the one that was slacking behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely one of the things that, you know, you do want to, one of the things that you want to early on get into your, your head or try to at least work around is to find good support and find good connections, make good connections that would that that would enhance the experience and make it a collective experience instead of an individual experience i mean everybody has different uh ways that they approach life Mm -hmm. but i always i've come to learn in a lot of ways that no man is an island it's as cliche as that sounds um and that we can do more together than as just single individuals so uh, having a communal approach to studying, having a communal approach to supporting each other, finding ways to take, of you, take care of yourself, yourself mentally or mental health care it makes it sort of a wholesome experience. So you're not feeling alone trying to kind of work through school uh, and feeling like you're working, you're working through it alone. There's a song, I, I, I tend to kind of philosophize about a lot of things, uh, if you notice, but uh, yeah. there's, I've not seen the show, uh, the Broadway show, Dear Evan Hansen, but I really like one of the, the songs that it's, it's from. It's like the main theme song, which is like, You Will Be Found. And I think it speaks to, uh, the lyrics sort of speak to uh, how sometimes you feel like you're alone and nobody cares or nobody is there and all you have to do is just reach out and ask for help to to anyone who's actually considering the path it's not it's not an i'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's an easy path that the training or or the schooling is 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 a cakewalk at the same time i'm not i'm also not going to tell you that it's impossible to do it because uh you have done it i've done it a lot of along with a whole Mm. bunch of other people you just have to know how uh, and i tell I, i say this to some of my staff members all the time is you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes you just have to ask for help. You know, you don't you don't need to. You just have to ask if you. And there is a a scale to it. There is a you just have to know when to ask for help. And when you do, help does come. And when you when you actually know who to ask for help from, uh, help does really come. Yeah, it's 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 not easy. Uh, if you're going through it right now, you can probably identify that it's not. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's not impossible. You know, it's very possible to do. Yeah, that's so true. You're right. I haven't thought of it that way. So many of us have done it. I've done it as well. And I love what you just said about who to ask. Have you read the book Principles by Ray Dalio? I don't th- no, I don't think I have. No, I haven't. You, no. you would love it because one of the principles there is uh, notice who's a uh, who you're receiving like critique from and who you're asking Mm -hmm. because a lot of times we're kind of like less intimidated to ask our peers for help when they haven't even gone through the question that you're asking Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. and you really need to seek like an expert's opinion someone who's been through Mm -hmm. it and at at the same time you know you still want to 
it is also like a balance. You want to also take the opinion of someone who hasn't done it because maybe they can introduce a new perspective right. to yeah, it. But that that book goes all uh, goes all along that uh, thought. Yeah, that I mean, thought. it's it's a uh, it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a it's a balance. I can't say that anybody has mastered that balance. I'm I'm careful when I give uh, people encouragement or feedback to not try to impose because. I'll try to impose my philosophies or my understanding of it. And and so I'll give you information. I'll share my experience. I'll share the way that I've managed something. Uh, doesn't mean that you are going to end up go, having the same management approach or it's not going to be the same way that or the same. You're not going to get the same outcome regardless, you know, but at least at the very least, it gives you information. So you can you can glean from that uh, from my experiences. And then perhaps whatever it is that you, you collect from me or whatever and, and, and from somewhere somewhere else, uh, be it experienced uh, information or inexperienced information, you can put together something that help, can help you navigate the, the, the course of, of your life. As they say, um, you know, the world's wisdom or knowledge is not in just one person's head. You give your perspective and then somebody else can give you their perspective and you can sort of move, move along with that. Yeah, as one goes along with in, in their career, it's just a, a constant evolution of things. After optometry school, what was it like being an optometrist in, in the real world? Like, as soon as you graduated, this is like, take us back to uh, September 2013. <laughs> 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 paint, that uh, paint that picture. I did an interview for uh, uh, one of the SUNY's... Uh monthly i think for the alumni well they they put out like they do they do alumni features and it was about my path to opening a a practice and one of the things that i said sitting through my graduation the graduation speech or at least sitting through graduation my all i was focused on was as soon as i get out of school i need to start working i need to start making money and i need to start (laughs) paying off these student loans but something something happened uh, during graduation uh that also sort of challenged my my point of view at the time also and excuse me i can get into that a little bit i don't know if you're going to ask me about my path to opening a practice but uh Mm -hmm. when i got out i really just started uh finding work really and uh, New York is one of those places where it's a sort of a, a catch-22. Uh, there's a lot of work, but the, the, the nature of the work is a lot of fill-in work. There's, this, there's, just a, there's that availability. There is also the, this, the sense of instability. I mean, some people love it. A lot of, there are some people that, you know, that's, that's how they sort of... And that's one of the beauties of, of this profession is that you can make it whatever it is that you want it to be. If you, mm-hmm. if you wanted to, if you wanted to sort of uh, somebody who just covers other people when they are not able to work and as in you do fill in work, you can do that. There's opportunities for you to find, you know, stable, uh, regular, uh, full-time work as well. When you, when you first come out, that's typically how you, or from most of the people that, I know that's kind of how we all kind of start out. So yeah, back then it was just, you know, I needed to find work and I started looking for work and 
right out uh, uh, as soon as I graduated, I I did kind of like take a little break. I did do a little bit of uh, traveling before I sort of hunkered down and started, you know, working mostly. So I would also I would suggest that because when you school, especially getting to the end, it just kind of gets so overwhelming that you need to kind of step away from it a little, a little bit. You need to step away from that mental engagement a little bit. And I, I will certainly encourage it for anyone once they're about to graduate to do something other than just, because the work, you're going to, you're going to work. You're going to end up working. <laughs> so, well, that's the hope, right? You're going to end up utilizing the degree somehow to, to, to make an income, but you have to, you know, make sure that you're approaching it from a, a relaxed, reinforced, strong, not just like a, a weakened, beaten, defeated. Because <laughs> mm. you you might you might you might you might burn out a lot quicker if you don't if if you're not going from a very strong place. It was more like I just I needed to work. I took some time. I I did a little bit of travel and I worked. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I always uh, recommend that to any uh, third year or fourth year in optometry school. Like, don't immediately, I immediately went to work like in July. But I always tell them, you know, take that last summer. It's going to be really kind of impossible to ever take four weeks off. Yeah. Again. Yeah. You just yeah, so, you need to figure so out a take, take, take some time. You need, yeah, you got to take some time. <laughs> you got to take Absolutely. some time. Yeah. And then, and then you uh, go 100% into it, trying to figure it out. And then, you know, yeah, New York is, is its whole own animal with finding different jobs. And it, uh, it, does, it is really flexible. But with, with all the experience that you've had, what was the catalyst that drove you to start your own practice and to just, like, go for it? Okay. So I've, I've talked about this a little bit also in diff- on different platforms, but Going back to that graduation uh, day, the the speaker, our, our convocation speaker, Dr. Mel Ship, he was the dean of Ohio. I want to say Ohio. It was Ohio State. He was the one who spoke. And one thing that he sort of talked about that stuck with me was about service. Um, like I said before, my mind was all about, I need to get out of here. I need to start making money. I need to pay off these student loans. And here it is, uh, Dr. Ship is talking about service and the fact that your loved ones have invested in you so that you will come out of here to serve them and the rest of the world. And another thing that he said that stuck with me was, you know, he said very, 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 very clearly, and I'll, I'll never forget, he said, do not make money the focus. You know, focus on serving others and for sure, I guarantee you, the money will come. Now, it sounds very, very counterintuitive, right? It sounds very much like, well, why wouldn't the money be the focus? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you should focus on the money and just... Yeah, you need to live. You need yeah. to live. But uh, what I have learned is that that philosophy, what he taught, is just the absolute truth. Because that's the only way you get joy or any semblance of happiness from what from what you do and anyway so going back then that was that was sort of the message that sort of it shook it changed or redirected my focus a little bit so even though when I started out I was working for other people I I took that point of view 
and was focused on caring for my patients more so than how many jobs I could get, I could do in a week or how much money I could make uh, in a week. What really drove, so I had that, in, I always had that in the back of my mind. And what really drove uh, me in the direction of eventually opening a practice was because, was that I wasn't finding that to be the case in a lot of the places that I was working. I wasn't finding the 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 care bit or the service bit as being the the case for where for the places that I was working with as well, places I was working. I had certain bad experiences working for uh, different people, and I say this uh, to everyone who asks me: please don't ever use that. Don't don't ever use that uh, the fact that oh I had a bad experience. Uh, working for someone, uh, and I want to be my own boss as a reason for opening a practice. Please, 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 please don't don't do that. If you if you do that, you are still perpetuating the same philosophy. You know, it's like the focus is not the patients. The focus is in your comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just saying that to say that that I had I had certain bad experiences that probably ended up turning the light bulb on in my head to say that perhaps the the environment and the experience you're trying to uh, create, you need to create it on your own. So I, I, I um, going back, I, I just had one bad experience after another bad experience after another bad experience. It was because, I mean, the, the experiences I was having were sort of in, in different ways shaping my worldview. There were people that were made promises to uh, bring me on and I, I, I was helping people build their practice. They, they promised partnerships that were not they had no intentions of fulfilling. There are people who were taking a, took advantage of sort of the, the fact that I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a greenhorn, I just got out of school, to take advantage of my skills and my na- naivete and, you know, not, you know, live up to promises that they would make. Um, it's, it's a myriad of uh, bad, bad experiences that I, I, I went through. And, it got to a point where I realized that, you know, perhaps these experiences and these things are sort of nudging me towards perhaps creating my own, uh, creating an environment that I envision for, for great patient care and great service. So even though it was never, uh, I was, I never thought, thought about entrepreneurship or, you know, I never wanted to open uh, open a practice i felt compelled to do it because i wasn't seeing the kind of care that i wanted to see working in these places where the focus was primarily not the patient where the focus was more about you know how much money we could make i mean i'm not going to sit here and tell you that i don't i don't that is not something that i have to uh, f- factor into the equation, but that is not the primary motivation for do- for creating perspective. And even the name perspective really came from the idea that I wanted to change people's perspective on how healthcare works, eye care works specifically. I like to think of it like a sort of a, cho- a well choreographed dance. It was a dance that started with that message at graduation, kind of flowing through my different experiences working other places where I was, I was not, I didn't feel like I was kind of fulfilling that uh, sense. And I was also getting disappointed uh, from those experiences. 
into a space where, you know, I felt compelled in a lot of ways to create a place where uh, I would be proud of something that I would essentially be be happy to be a part of. Yeah, and to show up there every day and just feel energized because mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's different. For some people, seeing that, uh, you know, their profit or revenue, I don't even know the difference yet. But for some <laughs> people, it does drive them. That energizes them. For But for others, you know, it's serving patients. And that's what, you know, you can gain more longevity from there's nothing wrong with i mean being driven by money um certainly but there is a a certain level of angst and anxiety that brings with it and that's what that's why perhaps that may not be the the way to to approach it so think a bit think of it this way somebody walks in and um all you're thinking about is how much money i can make off of this person Mm right yeah. now even just saying that patients feel that patients know when the reason when they when somebody's looking at them as sort of a cash cow or mm-hmm. uh, an income generator they know that when you walk into a place don't you feel it when 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 it feels like somebody's it's, it's really because of they're really interested in what you're going to pick, pull out of your pocket you know that Yes, now, yeah. one thing I've learned, and uh, so, and, and going, but going back to this, that example that I'm, I'm creating, if that person catches on and does not spend, one, you spent all your energy focusing on trying to get something that at the end of the day you didn't even get. That's a, that's 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 tortuous. That's that's mm-hmm. that's just not even worth worth it. But if you think about, let me focus on what can I do, and I'll tell you a beautiful story right? There was a, a patient that randomly walked into the office and wanted, you know, uh, she, she's like, oh, I'm just going to show up and look around for, look at some of these frames, right? And then one of my staff members helped her out, talked talk to her. Unfortunately, we were, I wasn't, I'm not in network with, the, with the, the, the plan. She had a union plan that I wasn't in network with. She didn't end up buying anything, I was privy to the conversation. I was hearing what was going on. It wasn't like the staff member, you know, did anything impolite or unkind or whatever it is, right? So patient goes and even without having an eye exam or anything, writes a review, a negative review on Yelp. Uh, It was just very nonspecific review, like, oh, but then she had already made an appointment to come for a proper eye exam with us anyway, like a couple like a couple of days later. So she was like, oh, yeah, I went there. They don't take my insurance. But, you know, I have I know I have really, really bad eyes, but but whatever. So I made an appointment, but still gave a low a low scoring review. So in the moment, I'm like, I'm looking at this review. I was like, she didn't even have an eye exam. So why is why? Why is she reviewing what what why why is she reviewing reviewing us? And you know, my natural instinct was to be like to be combative or to so I, I did reach out to Yelp and, and I was like, listen, this lady she didn't really have um an eye exam, so do you think it's fair that she reviews and they were like, No, the review stays. Okay, so I was like, Okay, fine, I left it alone. Now uh, two days later, because she, she had made an appointment, she was coming back for an eye exam. Two days later, she when she uh, went, uh, all through all all through the the uh, the time leading up to 
uh, her coming in, I was walk, I was thinking through my head. I, I was like, what do I do? Do I ask her about this review? Do, what do I how how do I approach this? Like, what do I do? And in in one of the most remarkable moments of my life, I guess, when they prepped her for the eye exam and she was sitting in the exam chair waiting for me to to go in and examine her, I right before I go and something just dawns on me and just kind of like, I have this moment where I'm like, I, I get this sort of sense that why would you treat her any differently from any of your patients? And it was like, you should, wh- why would you treat her any differently? And and I, well, is it because you wrote a review? You shouldn't treat her any differently. You should go in there and treat her the same way you would treat everybody else and the uh, and fulfill the reason and the purpose for which you opened this practice. And you know what? I went in there, I treated her the same way I I would treat any of my patients. I didn't bring up the review. I didn't do any of that stuff. I treated her the same way I treat every one of my last patients. And you know what happened? She went back home and changed that review. She went there and she gave us she changed that review and and, and switched it to a stellar review. Sometimes our focus, when we focus on some of those other things that don't really matter or are not the, mo- the main thing, money is a great thing, but it's, not, it's never the main thing. Don't, if, we, if we make it the main thing, then we lose sight of humanity. You know, we lose mm-hmm. sight of, of, of the, the greater good. Um, it sounds like I'm preaching, but... <laughs> I love that. It's important. Like it's because you had firm values and because you had a firm mission that you were able to like not focus on the bad things that happen and focus on, you know, what your passion is, what your purpose is. And that is always palpable. Like you said, a patient knows how how you're viewing them. Yeah. And they're they're able to see your passion and that's why that's why she changed it. Because mm-hmm. it was real and authentic. Yeah, and it's important that we focus on that sometimes. I'm not saying that that's everybody should be the same, but I think sometimes we 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 need to do more of one than the other. Anyway, I don't want to belabor the point. <laughs> no, but it's true. And I was going to say that that applies to healthcare, but that really applies to every industry oh, for sure. as a, for everybody. You know, I don't think really money should play a a role in our changing society and our changing economy. Because if it was money at the end of the day, people could just type in on Google, like show me the cheapest thing of whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Well, I mean, but there's so much. The more- truth is that that's it's, it's some of that is happening already, but <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. kind of. no, not really. No. <laughs> some, of it, some of that is already happening. So it's happening, but people come back. Uh, what is it like retail, like dresses and clothing. They're switching more to an, expertise model same thing with electronics too that's kind of switching more is that what the research is showing i'm not i don't know yes yeah yeah we have good good stuff so it's i mean it's all cyclical i mean that I, too. Guess, I guess in a way it's, it's similar to fashion right yeah but I, I think i think things are coming back i think so uh, in 2020 2020 is gonna be a good year 2020 is gonna be yeah 2020 is gonna be the year of optometric puns <laughs> oh do you have uh what are are you working on are you working on uh any changes with like with an ortho k in your practice or do you fit scleral oh yeah i'm working i mean uh 
one of the things that I guess this year has sort of shown me is is how much really I think underdiagnosed uh, keratoconus is, and um, also how important uh, myopia progression is as a as a as a, how important it is as a problem, and how important it is that we can find a that we need to find mm-hmm. solutions to it. Um, as far as keratoconus, I've uh, I've had uh, I've had to fit quite a number of uh, specialty lenses this year. So uh, my my practice is sort of kind of um, uh, growing in that direction where we are doing quite a number of um, specialty fits. So uh, I'm I'm looking to expand more. Um, and do quite a bit more because, you know, it's just such a remarkable, it makes such a remarkable impact on people who erstwhile can't see well. And then when they are put in these specialty lenses, it just changes everything for them. It's like this whole turnaround. It's like, oh my goodness, I I, I can see. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and then another thing I'm doing quite a bit of and and working to expand a lot more on uh, um, is my progressions because it's it's a it's become a a healthcare crisis, Um, and um, there 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 there's a lot of technology, there's a lot of work and research going into ways to uh, change the landscape in terms of uh, my progression. So. Uh, fitting ortho K lenses and um, um, looking into the most recent FDA approved uh, um, soft contact multifocal contact lens. Um, sort of doing quite a bit of that, especially with these young kids coming in with these these prescriptions. Uh, what I'm also learning is um, that um, if you educate the parents well enough. They they are more open and receptive to approach to managing refractive uh, errors and and uh, problems. So in the practice, that's sort of well one of the things that uh, is growing or we are growing quite a bit of. So yeah, um, we're pretty excited about that. So stay tuned for more. Yeah, patient education is key. Like you said, once you go right back to the patients, it just it makes everything else so much easier. Yeah, for sure. Uh, where could our listeners find you at? Instagram at Brooklyn Eye Doc. Yeah, Brooklyn Eye Doc. Um, mm-hmm. the the website is uh, www.perspectiveyes.com. Perspective Yes. It's P R S P E C T I V E Y E S. Dot com. That's the website. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook by looking up Prospective Family Eye Care. Uh, the office is located at uh, 629 Eastern Parkway. We're right on the Eastern, we're right on Eastern Parkway between Brooklyn and New York Avenue. Uh, can't miss us. Uh, and we'll be happy to take care of all your needs. We do primary eye care, specialty contact lens fitting, and we manage... Uh, glaucoma and uh, we do diabetic eye exams, etc. Uh, everything, every, everything and anything up to the point of uh, needing any surgical intervention, we'll manage all of this, uh, all of those things. So, yeah, phone number is seven one eight seven zero eight five three six zero seven one eight seven zero eight five three six zero. You can always reach us. We'll be happy to help.
I'm open to also if anybody like if you have anybody out there who like um, needs mentorship, needs uh, sort of guidance, direction, um, uh, you know, somebody thinking about going to optometry, optometry school, already in optometry school, thinking about, you know, career, career direction uh, and even people who are already out there as optometrists who need any sort of help. I mean, we, we should all be open to helping each other. If you, if you all need help, if you have questions, don't hesitate to reach me. I'll be more than happy to uh, try to resolve or help you resolve your problems as, as much as I can. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is awesome. Hopefully one day I'll get to visit and maybe like make a little YouTube video about, about your practice. That would be great. That would be great. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much Mm -hmm. and say bye everybody. Bye. Bye.